Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22. And this is what it says. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Heavenly Father, we come before you today in your word asking that you would just speak to all of our hearts and our minds. God, I ask that you would just bring light to your message today. Help us to understand it and grow in our faith. In your name we pray, amen and amen. I want us today to take a moment and do a temperature check. I know it's been a few years now. And in some ways, it seems like decades ago. But I remember not in the not-too-distant past, there was times where you could not enter buildings without having your temperature checked. You had to meet a certain level of temperature to be accepted in and to be approved for entry. And as, be, as I began to think about this word and, and study this, I wonder how many of us are meeting the temperature requirements today. And if we as a church are meeting the temperature requirement in our faith and in our pursuit of Christ. We start out this scripture, John the Revelator is writing the words of Jesus. The very first thing that Jesus says is, I know your works. That should scare some of us. It, it, it scares me a little bit because when you get to think about the reality of him knowing our works, he knows every detail of every action that we take every day of our life. He knows every word that we speak. He knows the hairs on our head. For some of us, it's easier to count than others. But he knows us so deeply and so intimately. But he is making an evaluation of his churches in Revelation chapter 3. And here we come to the church of Laodicea. And he's evaluating them and taking their temperature to see where they fall in the thermometer. He knows their works. And he's not happy with their works. Today, we need to be very careful about the things that we do and the life that we live. And it's not so much of them doing horrible, terrible things 
or really, really awesome things. It has more to do with the lack of doing anything. It's really more an evaluation of the lack of their works more than it is the quality of the work for them. As we see that he calls them lukewarm, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But it is important for us to evaluate our own works in our life because Jesus says that a tree is known by its fruits. It's known by what is produced. I, I recall in uh, Matthew 21, Jesus is traveling with his disciples and he comes across a fig tree that bears no fruit. It is a lukewarm tree that is not bearing fruit. And he curses the tree and it withers and it never produces fruit ever again. It's a scary thing to think about when we evaluate our works or lack thereof. You are not saved by your works. I want to be very clear about that. You are saved by grace through faith. But we are verified by our works. Your works and the fruit that you bear in your life reveals the relationship you have with Christ. You, you cannot produce good fruit if you are a rotten tree. You cannot produce any fruit if you are a dead tree. And Jesus is coming to this church, letting them know, hey, there is no fruit at all coming from you. Today I want us to do a temperature check and evaluate what we are producing in our lives. Because God has called this church and called us as individuals to be workers of the faith to put our hand to the plow, to not just be lukewarm and, and complacent about our relationship with him. He says, I know your works. I know your works. He tells them, you're neither hot nor cold. You see, I used to, when hearing this scripture, I used to really believe that what was being taught here was a, a, a manner of difference between being on fire for God and being a cold, lost sinner. But as I begin to study this, that is actually not the case. What Jesus is saying to them, cold is good, hot is good, and you're neither. I know that might mess up some theology for some people in this scripture, but as I began to study it, many commentaries and studies and things have declared that what Jesus is saying here is that hot is good and cold is good, but you're neither one of those things. Think about it. Let's, let's think about why cold would be good. Have you ever been outside on a hot, hot day, working and slaving away like a Hebrew slave in Egypt? And all of a sudden, maybe it was back in the day when people drank from the garden hose. You took a nice cold, there is no water colder than what comes out of a garden hose. Well, after you let it run a minute, that first little bit's kind of nasty. But once you let it run and that cold stream of water comes out of that garden hose and it tastes like wonderful rubber and, and dirt and all those, and it's just the most wonderful water you've ever drank in your life and it is so refreshing. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? It is the most refreshing thing in a time full of heavy labor, heavy burdens, time when you're working and you're sweating and you're struggling and you're, you're out there under the hot sun having beat down on you. 
See, Jesus, when he talks about them not being cold or hot, when he talks about them being cold, he's talking about a faith that is cool and refreshing on a hot day. When the labor is intense, the work is intense, he says, your faith would be great if it was cold because cold serves a wonderful purpose. There are times in our life where we need a refreshing in our faiths. We are under heavy burdens. We are laboring in, in hot conditions, and, and we're sweating, and, uh, and, we're, we're, and I'm talking a spiritual sense here. Sometimes maybe it is a little physical too, that, that in, our, in, our, in those moments where things are difficult and heavy and hard, there are, things that, there are times that we need a refreshing, and we only find that if our faith is like that cool stream drink of water from the garden hose. You see, I love this. I love this about the Bible. When God, Jesus, whoever is writing in this is portraying a message in God's Word and the people they are talking to, they know their audience. And, they, and the audience understands the references. So sometimes in order for us to understand the Scripture better, we got to understand who they're writing to. You see, in uh, Laodicea, there is nearby a river called the Lycus River. And this river was supposed to be a cool, refreshing river. A river that the people of the city could go out and get a nice cool drink and cool off and, and refresh themselves in. But there was a problem. The river actually ended up being muddy and disgusting and full of sediment and mucky and gross. What does it have to do with being lukewarm? Well, if you're a nerd like me and you have to have answers to these types of things, you begin to study it and you find out that there is a phenomenon that takes place within murky waters and it's called um, accelerated solar absorption. I know that's a, that's a mouthful, but basically what it is is the darkness of the water, the, the mud and, and the sediment basically absorb the sun's energy more rapidly than what it would be if it was crystal clear. It's the same thing as if you put a solar cover on a pool or you wear all black out on a 100-degree day that you feel way hotter than you would if you would just wore a nice white T-shirt. It absorbs heat, and what was supposed to be cool and refreshing because of this mud and this murkiness and this darkness had absorbed so much of the sun's light and energy that it had rose, it brought the temperature to rise up and go from cool and refreshing to a disgusting, lukewarm temperature. The muddiness ruined the cool, refreshing faith. You see, I, I've, I found it, it, it breaks my heart because I keep seeing it happen and happen over and over again in churches all over the country and in individual lives where the faith of God's people is becoming murky. What I mean by that is there, have, there are things that have been allowed to be mixed into what is supposed to be crystal clear, fresh and cool and wonderful to be in and be a part of. But what has happened is, is there has been sediment and mud and dirt and mess that has been allowed to enter into the river of our faith. And now what used to be crystal clear and easy to deal with and refreshing to our souls and spirit has now become this lukewarm nastiness. 
that is undrinkable and unbearable. And no wonder we have so many people that want nothing to do with Christ. What muddies the water? One of the greatest things that muddy the water, first and foremost, is complacency. Not taking care of it. Has anybody ever had a pool in your backyard or know somebody that has a pool in the backyard? Anybody? I, I grew up, I, I, there's a few. I grew up, uh, my grandparents had a pool. And uh, there's this wonderful thing that happened when you closed the pool from the time you closed it to the time you opened it again, it sat unattended. You closed it, you did what you had to do, you covered it up real good. But even though it was covered and all of that, because the normal chlorine and chemicals and things like that were not being put in to the pool like they should have been, and it wasn't being cared for, by the time it was ready to be opened back up in the summertime, it was a murky, gross, disgusting mess. Because during that time, it's winter, it's fall, it's early spring. It's, it's not a time you really even think to go out there. And especially in northeast Ohio where I grew up, there was probably three or four feet of snow on top of it to begin with. You couldn't even get to it. But I say all that to say that when we let the waters of our faith just sit unattended, and we just let it go, and we are complacent about what is going into it, and we are not treating it and taking care of it. If you ever go to the YMCA, especially if it's an indoor pool that they leave open all year round, that water is always clear. Why? Because they're always putting stuff into it. They're always taking care of it. But if you ever drive by a park and, and look in the pool in the off-season, I encourage you to maybe go to, out to All Miller Park today so you can get a good picture of it. Go for a walk on this beautiful sunny day and take a peek in there and tell me later what it looked like. It hasn't been taken care of in a while because it's not the time for it to be taken care of. But there's no off-season for our faith. But what happens is we get so complacent about taking care of our relationship with Christ that it begins to get murky. And it gets dirty. And as a result, it becomes nasty and lukewarm and something you don't want anything to do with. And worst of all, something God doesn't want anything to do with. We have to care for the waters of our faith. The other thing that, that, we, that muddies the water is compromise. Compromise is simply allowing things at will to be mixed in with what is pure so that way you can kind of try to get the best of both worlds. Compromise is a very dangerous game. And I have seen it so often, especially here lately, and it, it kills me every time. I, I listen to lots of different podcasts and preachers and, and all these things throughout the week just to keep myself fed and my spirit fed. But anymore, uh, the, the number of things I can listen to and stand to listen to anymore is dwindling because there is now this, this compromise in the church when it comes to sinful lifestyles that, that it's just everything's accepted, everything's okay, and, and we, treat, we treat, listen, you love everybody and, and you should love everybody, but you cannot accept everything. You, you, can't, you, can't, you cannot come to a holy God with unholy things. 
Anybody can walk through the doors and I will love them. But here's the reality. Jesus ate and drank and sat in fellowship with prostitutes and tax collectors and demon-possessed people and all of that. But it was never Christ that was the one that changed. It was always those that he was with that were changed. But too often, the culture shifts the church because the church is compromising to make it comfortable for those in the world. I want you to feel welcome here, but I do not want you to feel comfortable in your sin here. We need conviction. If you don't feel convicted of your sin and you feel like you can come in here and live any way you want and still be accepted into the kingdom of God, we love you, but you cannot take your mess into his presence and his kingdom. That's why we were given the gift of repentance. That we can turn from our sin and walk holy and be sanctified. I, I won't ever compromise. I don't really care if people like me or not. Because I don't have to stand before people and give an account for the words that I speak. i got to stand before God and answer for everything that I say and do. And going back to I know your works, what is God going to say about us when it comes to compromise in our life? And compromise doesn't even mean you have a platform of preaching. What do you allow on your television at night? What, what, what kind of stuff are you reading? What stuff are you listening to? Starting to get a little bit quiet in this Lutheran church. We're going to hit all the churches at some point. We cannot compromise and allow the waters of our faith to be muddied. And by the way, I, I love Lutheran people. I've got nothing against them. I just like to pick. God is saying to some people today, you used to be a nice, refreshing stream of water full of purity and clarity, but you've allowed complacency and compromise to enter in and muddied the waters. You haven't cared for your faith, and you've even tried to blend faith, your pure faith, with the corruption that is in the world. And as a result, you become lukewarm. Cold is good. It's not bad to be cold in the right context. But Jesus also tells the people of Laodicea that you're not hot either. This one really, when I was studying this one, this one was good. Sometimes you just read some stuff in the Bible, makes you want to do a lap around the living room. But hot is good. Laodicea had an aqueduct that was connected to a hot spring to where hot water would flow from this hot spring into the city. The problem was, is the hot spring, the source of it all, was five miles away. And by the time the water flowed from the source to the city, it was lukewarm. The problem was, is there was too great of a distance between the one receiving and the one giving. I hope y'all are catching this today. 
There, the chasm was too wide for, for the water to be hot. You ever been outside in the wintertime sledding and cold and shoveling and snow blowing and all of those things? And, and you come inside, have a nice hot cup of coffee or have a nice, a nice hot cup of hot chocolate and it just warms your soul and you feel ten times better? Or just on a cold rainy day, a hot bowl of chicken noodle soup or chili or something of that nature and I'm going to make everybody hungry this morning and thirsty. But here, here's y'all going to go home and turn on the hose outside and drink from it. But there is a, a, a warmth that is needed at times. You see, life in this world can be a very cold, dark place. And we need a faith that can warm. And the problem is, is the one who provides the warmth is in a fixed location. He does not move. He does not change. The one responsible for the proximity to the source And the closeness to the source is the one receiving from the source. If they would have just set up camp closer, the water would have been hotter. But because they allowed such a great distance, they were just getting lukewarm water. It wasn't hot. In other words, it wasn't doing what it needed to do because you were too far from the source. Today, God, I think, is pointing out to us, to some individuals today, that maybe we have allowed too great of a distance between us and God to exist. That we're doing enough to where it's, it's comfortable. See, lukewarm water, it's, it's, in some ways it's comfortable, in other ways it's nasty. On a cold day, lukewarm is better than getting into an ice bath for us but it still leaves something to be desired and I think there are people within the body of Christ that have been drawn away by the cares of this world the worries of this world the things you're trying to accomplish in your life the busyness you know Jesus was not a busy person And what I mean by that is Jesus was very much aware of when it was time for him to take a break and to go and pray and be with God. He'd disappear and spend time with him. Jesus wasn't ever in a rush or in a hurry. We spend our time rushing around, always worried about what we got to do next trying to get to this place or that place or wherever. And we never have time for the source. You see, some of us have gotten way too far away. Listen, I, I want to be at the source. I don't even want to be a step away from it. I want to be in the source. I want to be right there with it. And so I say that today not so that you can say, well, I'll get close enough to where I feel it warming up some. I don't want to stop to where it's warmer than it was there. I want to get to where I'm all the way in, where the source is at. God's not telling the people of Laodicea, you need to come a little bit closer, get above 
lukewarm temperature and get to where it's just a, it's a warmer, it's like a nice warm bath. No, he's saying you need to get to the source. And you either need to decide I'm going to have a nice, cool, refreshing river or I'm going to have a nice, hot, refreshing spring. You see, I, I'm a coffee drinker. I love, love coffee. Every morning I have a cup of coffee. But there's this phenomenon that happens when you have a, a little one that you don't always get to finish the cup all in one sitting. So you, you get your nice hot cup of coffee, you drink some of it, they wake up, they need a bottle, they need a diaper change, they need this or that. And you have to let it sit for a little bit. And when you come back to it and you take that first sip expecting a nice hot cup of coffee, it's nasty room temperature. Maybe you like that. I cannot stand it. It actually makes me cringe and has made me like ugh, shiver because it's just so gross to me. But what has happened is, is the temperature came down to a lukewarm temperature. I also like in the summertime a nice cold brew iced coffee where it's ice cold. But sometimes if you are out and about and you leave it sitting in the cup holder in the summertime and you run into the store and come back out to it, the ice has melted and now you take a drink of it and it tastes like a nice warm bath and that's not what you were wanting. That's nasty. Sometime I'm going to come in here with a, a thing of lukewarm coffee and have everybody try it and tell me how you think about it. Maybe you're not a coffee drinker. But I'll tell you this much, I don't think you'd like some lukewarm hot chocolate either. It's got the word hot in the name. It's not supposed to be lukewarm. Frozen hot chocolate is just a chocolate milkshake. That's good too. But have you ever had melted ice cream? That's no good. God is saying today, don't be like those things. Be hot or be cold. Be refreshing. And you can even go back and forth. Sometimes you need, you need both. Sometimes you need the heat to warm your soul and when the world seems cold and dark. Sometimes you need the nice, cold, refreshing stream of faith to refresh in and to, and to renew yourself when the burdens are heavy and you need to hydrate and you need to refuel and feel good again. You need both. But don't ever allow yourself to get stuck in the middle. He says, hot is good, cold is good, but lukewarm is bad. Jesus says that when we are lukewarm, he wants to spit us out of his mouth. I understand that, like I just said, with the coffee. Some translations say vomit. In other words, a lukewarm church and a lukewarm person makes God sick. I've been walking a little bit heavy here last week and now this week. Maybe next week we can preach something light and fluffy. Nope. Okay. Sorry about it. He's going to walk heavy too. But here's the reality of a lukewarm person. As many times a lukewarm person doesn't even know they're lukewarm. Because it's not an instant change, it's a slow change. 
The coffee doesn't instantly drop down to a lukewarm temperature. The ice and the stuff does not melt instantly. It's over time, as it is left unattended, there's no new ice added. There's no new hot coffee added. That after a while, it begins to reach that lukewarm temperature. And it, and it doesn't even realize it's there. What I've learned about the lukewarm faith of people is that lukewarm people, they got a problem with other people who are hot or cold. I know we don't like this one. But lukewarm people will look around and say, the reason I'm not hot and I'm not cold is because the worship's too loud, the worship's too quiet, they don't sing the right songs, the preacher preaches too long or he doesn't preach long enough, he prays too long, he he doesn't wear a suit like I like, because Jesus wore three-piece suits in the Bible. He doesn't doesn't do that and he doesn't do this and the church doesn't have this and the church doesn't have that and that's it it ain't anybody's fault but yourself if you're lukewarm we talked about it last week work out your own salvation with fear and trembling I know it's walking heavy today but lukewarm people don't even know it Why don't they know it? Because they're measuring themselves with a different thermometer than what God is measuring us with. In Revelation 3.17 it says this, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. The lukewarm person becomes so comfortable with where they are, they don't even know that their faith makes God sick. And they're using, they're, they look at their life and say, well, I've got plenty. My life is good. I, I'm favored. I have, I have a nice car. I have a nice house. I have money in the bank. And all of these things are great and wonderful. Therefore, I must be good with God. It rains on the just and the unjust. And let me tell you something. God will bless the just and the unjust and sometimes it, ain't ha- it doesn't have anything to do with what God has done. Some people are just blessed. But it doesn't, what you have and how your life looks does not define the relationship you have with God. Because possessions and wealth and maybe you ain't even got any of that. It doesn't mean your relationship with God is bad either. Because None of those things define your relationship with God. What's in your bank account doesn't define what's in your heart. But what flows out of your heart and is produced in your life defines who you are in Christ. If you are producing fruits of the Spirit, the good chance you're connected to the Spirit But if you are producing the fruits of this world, anger, lust, malice, all of those types of horrible things, read about it in Galatians 5. You you are not connected to the source. Jesus even says in Matthew 6, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust 
destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Before you can know if you're hot, cold, or lukewarm, you need to make sure you're using the right thermometer. How we measure ourselves and how God measures us is two totally different things. You can win at life and fail in faith. I'll say that one again. You can win in life and fail at faith. It's very easy to do. And like I said, just because you're losing in life doesn't mean you're winning in faith either. Because the life on this earth, the temporary things are separate from the eternal things. And so I'm going to close this morning with this. I believe God is trying to take us somewhere, both as a church and as individuals. He has stuff he wants to produce in you as an individual and in this church as a whole. But we've run into a little bit of a problem. We have become lukewarm in our faith. We give altar calls and nobody prays. We sing worship songs, yet nobody's worshiping. I shouldn't say nobody, because there are people that do, and everybody worships a little different. But I guess if the shoe's fitting today, I guess you need to wear it and take ownership of it. But there is so much that God wants to do in and through us that we will not have access to and be able to do unless we get in the right line and get either hot or cold. Because this world needs a place full of warmth when it is cold, dark, and dying. And this world needs something that is fresh and clear and will cool down when things get hot. And I don't know about you, but I can look around the world and pick many different instances where both of those things are needed. And it is up to us to set that example and to be the light of that. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today?